Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hi ladies, we're on our last point of Life to the Fool, and uh, we have found out that God also wants us and delights for us to be filled with his good food. That means physically and spiritually. And now we are talking about a number of points about food um, and all the things that God associates food with in the Bible. It's amazing how many. And we started off last week talking about food and the table. And we were talking about how God even wants us to sit at the table. He wants us to uh, sit and relax as we enjoy our food together. Another thing we notice in the Bible about food and the table uh, is even setting the table. Did you know that the Bible even speaks about this I love the Word of God because it's so practical. And we read Psalm 23, verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, A table must be prepared before people can come and eat at that table. Well, I know many times you can be so busy, just throw a bit of food on the table, come and get it, but you know, That's not exactly what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about a real preparing of the table. Psalm 78, 19 says, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 2, it says, Wisdom has builded her house. She has also furnished her table. Now, That word, to prepare or furnish or set a table, is the Hebrew word arak, A-R-A-K, and it means to set in a row, to set in order, to set in array. It's even used uh, 26 times in the Bible about uh, setting the battle in array. So when a um, army is going out to fight. All the soldiers, they, they are all set in their perfect order, ready to fight. But it's also used to set a table. And so we see, dear ladies, that this is a very important thing too. It's amazing the more you prepare your table to make it look inviting and to draw your family to it, uh, you'll find that the more you will enjoy your meal. Now, last time I was telling you how tables originated in heaven, but where do we read about them first in the Bible? The first, by, first table that we read about is the table of showbread 
in the tabernacle. And this table was also a type of the heavenly table. Now, in Exodus chapter 40, verses 2 to 4, God says to Moses, On the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle. And then he told them that the first thing they were to bring into the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant and to put it in the Holy of Holies. Then the next thing they had to do was to fill the holy place. And the very first piece of furniture they were to bring into the holy place was the table of showbread. And so we read, and thou shalt bring in the table and set in order the things that are to be set in order upon it. Okay, so they had to bring in the table and the Bible tells us that the table was to be placed on the north side of the tabernacle. I think that's interesting too because in the Bible, it tells us, there's quite a number of scriptures that tell us that God dwells in the north. Well, we don't know where that is, but it's somewhere in the north. And uh, God wanted this table of showbread to be placed on the north side, looking toward God's dwelling. And... God said that everything that was to be put on that table, there was the, the, the showbread, it was called the table of showbread, because on this table they had to put 12 loaves of bread. They were called the showbread. In the Hebrew, it's lechem hapanim, meaning bread of faces or presence bread, the bread that reveals the character and the presence of God. And, uh, but there was not only the showbread, they had to put other things on the table that are listed in the Bible. And God said they all had to be put in order, just how he wanted it to be put. They weren't to be put haphazardly on the table, just any old way. No, they were to be set in order. And so we can learn from this, can't we, ladies, how it's even important to set a table, even to put a tablecloth on. Well, some of you may have little ones and you think, oh, goodness me, I haven't got time for washing tablecloths. No, of course you haven't. But you know, in that season of your life, because we have lots of seasons in our lives, and if you're in the season of little ones are spilling everything on the table every time they come to the table, you can choose a beautiful tablecloth and you can put clear plastic over it. Or you can find even some lovely plastic tablecloths with beautiful designs and you can just wipe it down after the meal. But try and make your table look attractive and set it nicely with each place setting and as your children get older you can teach them how to set the table and how to make it attractive. In fact your children can have turns maybe 
One child is on for one week, one for the next week, and you can encourage them to see how beautiful and how attractive and how creative they can make the table. It can be like quite a competition between the children as they see how beautiful they can make the table and how they can set it orderly. I have a little quote that I like to say. When you set an ordered table, your children will be more orderly at the table. And this is so true, dear mothers. If we just, okay, here's the food, just put it out on the table, not even a tablecloth, and just everybody sits anywhere and just gobbles up their food, they don't put any importance on the table. And so they act like that. But when they come to a lovely table and that's set and prepared and furnished and ordered, wow, they rise to that and they will be more orderly. All right, now let's go down in this same chapter to verse 23 and we see that Moses obeyed the Lord and it says, And he set the bread in order before the Lord. Oh, I love those words. When we read in the King James Bible, before the Lord, it literally means in the presence of the Lord. You see, the, the bread on the table in the tabernacle was to sit in the presence of the Lord. It would stay there for a week before they would take that bread off and the priests would sit and fellowship and eat it together and the new bread was put on the table. But it was in the presence of the Lord. And dear ladies, I'd love to just take you to a higher plane. Don't think, oh, well, I've just got to set the table or just tell them, go and set the table. But no, realize that when you are setting a table and preparing a table for your family, you are doing it in the presence of the Lord. And when you think about that, it will change the way you do it. Remember, you're setting your table in the presence of the Lord because you're going to come and sit at the table together in the presence of the Lord. Oh, I want you to just get a whole new and higher vision about your table. Amen. Yes. Okay. Now, talking about the table, it, the Bible even oh gets down to every little nitty-gritty thing. It even tells us that we should have set times for eating at the table. Now, we go over to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 12. Yes, chapter 12, verse 42. And uh, this was... A story that Jesus told, a parable. And in verse 42, it says, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful 
and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season. Many translations will say at the proper time or at the specified time. And this word household here actually is a Greek word that means healing. I love that. It's another name for our home, a healing home. Our homes are healing homes. The table is a place of healing, not only when we minister good, healthy, wholesome food to our children, but we also seek to to bring the presence of the Lord to our tables. And it says here, okay, uh, this steward, he makes sure that everyone in this home have their meals at the right time. Now, I think it is good to have specific, specified times for our meals. They don't have to be on the dot, but around that time, that <clears throat> that's when we will have our meals. Now, of course, life is filled with surprises and things that happen or something is going to happen and we want to go here or there. And so there will always be exceptions, but we always need an underlying foundation and order in our home that, that lays a foundation for spontaneity and uh, to do special things. So you won't always be exact at the same time, but you will have uh, that, you know, that order. Okay, we have breakfast at this time. We have lunch at this time. We have supper at this time. And it will be different in every home. In our home, I love everyone to have breakfast before our family devotions, which are at 8 o'clock. Lunch, we have around about 12, 12.30. And supper is usually around about 6.30 or so. But I mean, it's never on the dot. It might be six, it might be seven, it might be whatever, but it's round about that time. And because then the family knows, okay, when we're going to eat. And this is even brought out in this scripture. There is a scripture for everything. I remember talking to um, a young person one time and they were in our home and and uh, she was sharing, oh, you know, she said, in our home, we don't even know when we're going to have our evening meal because my mother gets on to projects and, you know, she's busy on them. And, you know, we may think, oh, goodness me, we need to eat about eight o'clock, sometimes nine o'clock, we'll think about the meal. I think, I said, how on earth do you live that way when you don't even know when you're going to eat? There, there's something so good about, okay, having set times. So you do that as much as possible. Now let's go on to the next point. Number two, food and abundance. I have so many scriptures here of how God wants to give food to us abundantly. And then number three, food and fullness. <clears throat> Most of the scriptures in under... <clears throat> under this point, use the word satisfied. God loves to satisfy us. And that means filled to satisfaction, to satiate. Let's look up 
just two or three scriptures. I have so many listed here. Um, let's go to Nehemiah 2, no, Nehemiah 9, 25. And it tells us here, Nehemiah is giving a history of all the goodness of God to his people. And he says, and they took strong cities and a fat land and possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards and oliveyards and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled, that's the word, filled to satisfaction, and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Let's go over to Job, Job 36, 16. And let's see if I can find it here. All right. And it says, that which should be set on thy table should be full of fatness. And the New Living Translation says, He is setting your table with the best food. Let's go to Psalm, Psalm 37, 19. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Wow, that's a wonderful promise, isn't it? Not only in good times, but even in times of famine, they shall be satisfied. Number four, food and leftovers. Once again, ladies, the Bible even talks about having leftovers. Did you know that? There's not one thing the Bible misses out about. We can go to uh, the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. And this is a story in the life of Elisha. Elisha performed so many miracles, even more than Elijah. Well, he was given a double portion, wasn't he? Reading from the New American Standard Bible, let me read you the story. Now, a man came from Baal-Shalisha and brought the man of God, that was Elisha the prophet, bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley and fresh grain in his sack. And Elisha said to all the prophets, give, no, he said to his servant, give them to the people that they may eat. But his attendant said, how um, how am I to serve this to a hundred men? Nevertheless, Elisha said, Give them to the people that they may eat. For this is what the Lord says. They shall eat and have some left over. So he served it to them and they ate and they had some left over in accordance with the word of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Even in a time of famine, God was looking after his prophets. There were a hundred prophets in this particular place. And uh, this man was touched of the Lord to, to bring food to them. And when um, 
God brought this food. He told Elisha that there would not only be enough for them all to eat, but there would be left over. God, he goes beyond the normal. God always does this, and he loves leftovers. Now, the word here, the word leftover, is yatha, and it means to jut over, to exceed, to excel, to remain and be left, cause to abound, too much, plenteous. And uh, so that's a beautiful story of leftovers. And then we go over to the New Testament, and we read, about the feeding of the 5,000. And you all know the story how Jesus fed all these uh, men and uh, most probably there were women and children too. And uh, he not only fed them, but they took up 12 basketfuls of food left over. Isn't that amazing? Yes, and uh, in one of the Gospels, it says um, over and above uh, what they wanted to eat. And that word over and above is that word I often talk to you about, perishuo, which means superabounding, excess, exceed, more than is necessary, over and above and the actual words over and above are used in the King James uh, Bible about what was left over. So, ladies, it's a good idea when you're cooking to cook plenty and have some leftover. I like having leftovers for lunch the next day. You don't then have to think of, oh, what are we going to cook for lunch? Um, it's great to have leftovers. They always taste better the next day, don't they? And I know a lot of you like to cook extra, so you have your meal and then you can just freeze um, a leftover, which is enough for another meal. And, and so... Uh, Always great to have more than enough. You never know when someone is coming and you've got to uh, get out an extra a plate to feed someone who's come to your home unexpectedly. Never be stingy in preparing and cooking your food. Always cook plenty over and above. And if you've got more, you never, ever, ever waste. Oh, I hate waste, don't you? I mean, God hates waste too. That's why he told them to go around and pick up all the food that was left over. It wasn't just to be thrown out. It was to be used for those others who would need food. There were so many poor in Israel. And so uh, we cook more so we can have for leftovers, for another meal, or even freeze for another meal. But we don't waste. We teach our children not to waste. In fact, if you put dishes on your table, sometimes when the children are little, you just serve the, the food onto their plates. As they get older, often you'll go to putting the dishes on the table. They can serve themselves. Uh, but we teach them to just only take what they will eat. They're so welcome to come back for seconds, but they must eat what is on their plate. I hate to see people take food, their eyes are bigger than their stomach, 
and then they leave it. I want to cry. That's good, good food. And I hate to see it wasted. So I think we should teach our children, uh, you know, not to waste. Only take what they will know they're going to eat. But of course, they can come back for seconds. And so we have that on one hand. We don't waste. But on the other hand, we cook plenty for leftovers. Amen. Because it's all biblical. Isn't that fun? Number five, food and cooking. Yes, so many stories of food and cooking in the Bible. Oh, wow. Even Jesus cooking. How about that, ladies? Even Jesus cooking. Did you, did you know that? Yes, let's look at that one, shall we? We won't have time to look at them all, but let's look at that one. By the way, um, I have lots of scriptures listed under all of these points. And if you really want to truly look them all up in the Bible, you're welcome to email me and I will send them to you, nancyatabovrubies.org. So um, after Jesus had risen from the dead, um, he wanted to uh, just see his disciples. And uh, so he went down to Galilee. He knew that's where they'd be, out fishing. And that's where, where they were, out on the lake. And so they'd been toiling all night, fishing. And so the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus made a little coal, uh, a fire of coals on the shore. He gathered the coals and the wood and made this little fire. And then he began to cook. He cooked some fish. He cooked some bread. And he prepared breakfast for his disciples. Ladies, are you getting this? This was Jesus cooking. The one who had just risen from the dead, conquered death and hell. And what is he doing? He's cooking. And sometimes you think cooking is a bit, oh, what do I have to cook for? I mean, what's the purpose of that? I've got better things to do. No. One of the first things Jesus did when he, after ri rising from the dead, was to cook a meal. And when his disciples came in, he called them and he said, Come, come and dine. He called them to breakfast and he had it ready for them. You see, Jesus had some things to say to his disciples. He has very important things to share with them. He had a very important word for Peter that he wanted to share with them. You can read all about it in John chapter 21. But he prepared a meal for them first. You see, God loves to speak into our hearts, but he, often he loves to fill our physical bodies first. That's why it's wonderful to have uh, family devotions at the table because we fill the physical body and then people don't feel so agitated. No, they feel relaxed. When we eat, we, re we release oxytocin and we just feel calmed and relaxed and we're ready to hear from God. So that's why Jesus cooked a meal for his disciples. 
and um, cooking. We read over in First Timothy 5.10 how cooking is part of mothering. Oh, yes. Number six, food and healing. We saw and read in Matthew 24.45 how God calls the household a healing home. Number seven, food and comfort. Number eight, food and celebrations. Ooh, I've got loads of celebrations listed here. You'll be able to look them all up if you get hold of these scriptures, um, if you email me. Number nine, food and fellowship. Yes, that's what food is all about. We're not meant to eat food on our own. I think that's why God says he sets the solitary in families, not only because every person is meant to live in a family, never isolated, never on their own. No, we're meant to live as families. God intends us to live with social interaction together and also eating together, fellowshipping together, because when we eat, we gather round a table and we are face to face. Yes, eating is actually face to face table fellowship. Dear ladies, can I encourage you? Don't get into the habit of, you know, you're out, you've been out somewhere. Try uh, and get home at the at the appropriate time to prepare a meal for your family. Many times you can get out. You meet maybe taking your children to sport or something like that. It's getting late. Oh, how will we have time to cook the meal? So you grab some fast food and children just eat it in the car and they're looking at them, the, the neck or the head of someone in front of them. That is not how we are meant to eat. We are meant to eat face to face, looking at one another, talking to one another. Yes, in Second John, uh, the Apostle John is writing to the elect lady and he says to her in verse 12, I trust to come, in 2 John 1, 12, I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. Oh, there's such joy in fellowshipping face to face. And then in 3 John, the Apostle John was writing to Gaius. And he also said to him, I want to come to you to speak face to face. And that means they would gather to eat. That is the greatest way to communicate with people is around food, sitting around a table, fellowshipping. That is very, very much part of eating and of food. Number 10, food and gladness and joy and rejoicing. Yes, when we eat, we're meant to eat our food with gladness and singleness of heart. It tells us in Acts 2.46. And to, to have joy and rejoicing. I've got lots of scriptures about that for you to look up. And number 11, 
Uh, food and good cheer. Number 12, food and good things. And number 13, food and laughter. Ecclesiastes 10:19 says, a feast is made for laughter. Number 14, food and leisure. Oh, let me take you to this one. Uh, Mark 6:31, Jesus had been uh, with his disciples feeding the 5,000 and, and, you know, healing people. And anyway, in verse 31, he says to them, Jesus said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Now, isn't that interesting? They didn't even have any place where they could just sit down and relax for a little bit and take time to eat. So Jesus said, come on, disciples, come on. We're just going to get away out here, away from everybody, where we can sit and eat together. You see, Jesus understood that you don't eat on the run. You don't, okay, let's just grab a bit of bread and we'll just keep going to the next place. Keep on, come on, just eat as we go. No. Jesus said, come on, let's get away from the coming and going. Let's have a little bit of leisure as we eat. Did you know that's meant to be part of eating? You don't keep working as you eat. Oh, I know, I'm tempted all the time. We can be so tempted. Oh, yes, there's so much to do. And so we just keep eating, keep working. No, we're meant to stop. Stop your busyness, even for just a little bit. And sit down, have a little leisure, and eat. Okay? That's what you're meant to do. Jesus showed us the way. All right. 15, food and merriment. 16, food and strength to the heart and the body. 17, food and raising children. You'll have to get all these scriptures because I'm going to try and finish them all in this session. Food, number 18, food and teaching. Jesus used the supper table uh, for most of his teaching. He loved to talk and teach at the meal table. Number 19, food and hospitality. Oh, once again, so many scriptures here. Here, dear precious ladies, did you know that hospitality is not, it's not an option? No, hospitality is the lifestyle of the kingdom of God. It was the lifestyle of the early church. They met together, not once a month or not once a week. No, they met together daily in their homes to break bread and fellowship together. They opened their homes to one another. And as they met daily in fellowship, the Bible says that the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. Hospitality is a doctrine of the word of God that starts in Genesis and weaves its way right through to Revelation. Okay, maybe we've got time for just one scripture. Romans 12, 13. 
Here it tells us to be given to hospitality. Now, that word in the Greek is dioko, and it means to pursue, to run after, to follow after. It even means to persecute. <laughs> it's actually translated, that word, uh, 32 times, to persecute. We even have to be so going after hospitality that we just about persecute people with our love and kindness and wanting to have them in our home and sitting them around our tables. The Passion Translation says, eagerly welcome people into your home. Oh, hospitality is such a glorious thing. I think it's been one of the greatest blessings of our lives to have people sit around our table, to fellowship with them, to enjoy their company and to bless them and to minister to them. Oh my, it's, it's a powerful, powerful ministry. And it's not think, oh well, you know those people, they've got a real ministry of hospitality, but that's not my thing. No, God's mandate for hospitality is to all the saints. We are all to follow after hospitality. We are all to open up our homes because that's the lifestyle of the kingdom of God. Number 21, food and work. We all know the scriptures that give us the mandate that if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. And we work hard to grow our food and prepare our food and cook our food so we can eat. So food and work are also twins. Number 21, food and provision. God will always provide for his people. What did David say? I have been young and now I am old, but I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. Number 22, food and the presence of God. I've got to just tell you this one. Let me go to Exodus 18 verse 12. Yes, and here it says, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Now, those words before God mean in the presence of God. They came together to eat in the presence of God. We go over to chapter 24 and uh, we see here chapter 24. Yes, and this time it's when Moses... Um, and Aaron and Nahab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel, they went up the mount, not to the top of the mount where Moses went, but they went a certain way. And verse 10 says, And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. They saw God, but they didn't see the face of God. 
For the Bible also says that if anyone sees the face of God, they cannot even live. But they saw something of God. And we notice here it says, and as it were, and as it were, it, it was like, it, it was like sapphire stone. It was, it was like the body of heaven in its clearness. And it was um, under his feet. It was though they just saw his feet, but oh, the power of his presence. They knew they were in the presence of God. And it goes on, and upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. They saw God and did eat and drink. I think that is one of the most incredible scriptures in the whole of the Bible. They saw God. They felt and experienced and glimpsed the presence of God and did eat and drink. God wants us to eat and drink at our tables in the presence of God. He loves to come and be with us and bring his presence at our meal tables. And so, number 23, food and prayer and praise, because disciples love to meet and pray and praise God at their tables. And the last one, 24, food and prophecy. 1 Kings 13, 19 and 20 tells us how that as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came. There's something about sitting at the table where healing happens, prophecy happens, teaching happens, blessing happens, um, fellowship happens. Oh, all these glorious things happen at the table. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so blessed by your word filled with the way you want us to live, talking to us about all the little nitty-gritties of life, the hows and the whys and the wherefores, and how you want us to do it. Lord, you've shown us everything in your word. Help us to take notice of it all and to walk in the experience of it. Lord, I pray for each precious person listening today, that you will bring them to a higher plane, that you will help them to see the table as you see it. Lord, you love the table. You designed the table, the gathering of people round, round food to fellowship together to encourage one another and bless one another and pray for one another and delight in you and all the good things you give to us. Lord God, help us to elevate our tables to the place where you want them in our homes. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>